Next, on the OHIO Podcast, we preview the Wisconsin game, and Ben Davis from Dotting the I with Davis and Chad joins us to discuss the Ohio State defense and the big weekend in college football. And that all starts right now. It's so easy to be average. You know it as well as I know it. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. We don't have enough great players. To hell with that! We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? Be proud of our young people in the classroom, in the community, and most especially in 310 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan, on the football field. Three things. Number one, the team that hits the hardest and the longest, the team that starts the fastest, and the team is too damn smart to make mistakes. If you take it to them, if you don't make mistakes, and you keep taking it to them, hell, there's no question who wins. Buckeye Podcast, by fans, for the fans, where they hate that team up north as much as you do. It's time for the OHIO Podcast. OHIO! Welcome back to the OHIO Podcast, everybody. I'm your host, Buckeye Boggs, recording live from a chilly north central Ohio, the first day of autumn, Chris, and it feels like it today. I know you love this weather. Chris Wilde from Marion, Ohio. How's it going, buddy? Well, I do love this weather, Eric. Let me tell you. This is what we should have had on Saturday when we had our friends from Australia. Come on. I mean, it was freaking roasting out there on Saturday. <laughs> I'm sweating in places that I don't even want to talk about on Saturday. This was so much better. I loved it out there today. If you live in the Pittsburgh area or in eastern Ohio, in 48 hours, Chris and I will be invading the Mike's Beer Bar across from where the Pittsburgh Pirates play. PNC Park, I think, is that home field there. It's Blackout the Berg. We're going to have an Ohio State pregame tailgate party in conjunction with the Alumni Club of Pittsburgh beginning at 6.30 in two days, Saturday, September 24th, one hour before the kickoff between Ohio State and Wisconsin, 110 Federal Street, Pittsburgh, PA, Mike's Beer Bar. Join us. We've got prize. 50-50 raffle, good food. Uh, a pinata is going to be there. And I heard an awesome cake, Chris. Well, I'll tell you, if it's anything like what uh, they came through with uh, for us last year, Eric, that, that cake was awesome. You know, I'm not supposed to be eating that stuff, but that was good cake. And, and you know, it, it's a blackout game. We love that. C- can I just give a little, little teaser of one of the prizes we're giving out, Eric? Go for it, buddy. We will that night be giving away a JT Tumaluau blackout jersey. Whoa. No way. Absolutely. It's coming. 
Nice. I can't wait to see that, man. Uh, we've got autographs that are uh, and prize packs for the 50-50 as well as, of course, the money in the 50-50 as well. So chances to win. It's going to be a great time. If you live in eastern Ohio and within driving dif- uh, uh, distance of Pittsburgh, by all means, come out. And if you don't and you still want to take a road trip, man, come on out, man. We'd love to meet you and, and see you and have a good time and watch a uh, uh, a Badger beatdown this Saturday night, Chris. Yeah, you, you think we're looking at uh, 59 to nothing this time, Eric? Probably not. Probably not 59 to nothing. A little bit different odds and stakes in this game. Uh, but I do think we're looking at a win, and we will get into that here shortly. But first up, Chris, let's dive into um, the statistics of this thing and by the numbers. So a little bit of a history background here for you. Ohio State leads the all-time series with, with with Wisconsin, 61 wins to only 18 losses, five ties. By the way, Chris, did you know out of all the Big Ten teams, Ohio State is Wisconsin's worst when it comes to their uh, losing percentage against uh, an opponent? That includes that team up north. I'm not surprised. I'm really yeah. not. When you've won 61 and you only lost 18, I, I guess that yeah. that's what does that for you. Ohio State has won the last eight in a row against Bucky Badger. The last loss to Wisconsin was back in 2010, a 31 to 18 loss. Um, and then in 2019 was the last time these two teams played. Ohio State won 34 to 21. The last meeting in Madison was in 2016. The Buckeyes held on for a seven-point win there, 30-23. to Last meeting in Columbus, well, that was in 2019 as well. Ohio State dominated that game, 38-7. to So 2019, as you recall, the last time we played the Badgers, we played them in the regular season. We beat them at home 38-7 in a rainstorm. And then we played them again in Indianapolis for the Big Ten Championship, and we won 34-21 to in a much more better prepared Wisconsin team for that game. Largest margin of victory came in 1979 and then repeated again in 2014. 59 to nothing. We've beaten the Badgers twice by that score. Largest margin of defeat, however, came in 1999 during the Cooper years. 42 to 17. That was a bad loss. Ohio State's longest win streak over Wisconsin. Well, that's 21 straight from 1960 to 1980. That's almost up there with Indiana. Wow. That's brutal bad wisconsin's longest win streak over the buckeyes well that's three 1913 to 1915 ryan day's record against wisconsin is two and oh both those were in 2019 like we discussed paul Chris's record against ohio state well that's oh and four including two losses to ryan day and two losses to one urban meyer chris break down these statistics for us from ohio state wisconsin Okay, Eric. Well, let me tell you, the two and one Badgers are coming into Columbus in kind of an unusual position of late. They are sitting outside the top 25. The Badgers are ranked 31st nationally in the nation offensively. They're averaging 478.7 yards and 39.3 points per game. It has been a balanced offensive attack. They're averaging 260.3 per game passing, 218.3 per game rushing. As usual, that Badger defense is rather stout. Wisconsin only allows approximately 246 yards per game and only 4.45 yards per play to their opponents. 
Wisconsin's only allowed three offensive touchdowns so far this early season. Now, the Badgers are led offensively by junior quarterback Graham Mertz. Mertz is uh, completing about 71% of his passes right now, 44 of 62 on the season, 697 yards and six touchdowns. He does have two interceptions. The rushing attack is led by Braylon Allen. Allen came out of nowhere last season as a freshman to rush for 1,268 yards and 12 touchdowns. This season, he's already got He's got 332 yards, Eric, but he already has five touchdowns on the early season. The number two back for Wisconsin is Ches Malusi. The senior has 35 carries for 163 yards and one touchdown uh, rushing this season. Mertz has three really viable targets in the passing game right now. Leading the team in yards and receptions is wide receiver Shamir Dyke. Dyke has nine catches for 172 yards and a touchdown. Skylar Bell works opposite Dyke, and Bell has eight catches for 146 yards, and he is tied for the team lead with two receiving touchdowns. Now, sharing that lead with him uh, of two touchdowns receiving is Clay Cundiff. Cundiff is the tight end, and he has eight catches for 139 yards and, as I mentioned, two touchdowns on the season. It's a solid offense, but not nearly the juggernaut we're used to seeing, you know, watching Ohio State. Now, speaking of... Of the Buckeye offense, Wisconsin has a pretty stingy defense that will be trying to slow down C.J. Stroud and company. The game changer on the defense is Nick Herbig. Herbig comes into the game. We talked about this guy a lot in the preseason, Eric. Yes, we did. Herbig comes into this game uh, with four – I'm sorry, into game four with only 11 tackles on the season in the first three games, Eric. But he has four of the Badgers' seven sacks on the season. He's averaging just over a sack and a third per game. Uh, the team leader in tackles is junior linebacker. And, and here I am being an uncultured swine. I'm going to try it. Mamea Njungameta. He comes into Columbus with 19 tackles and an interception to his credit on the season. This is an opportunist, opportunistic defense, though, Eric. This team has seven interceptions by seven different players. And they have a forced fumble in the season as well. Big question, though, is do they have what it takes to take down the Buckeyes offense? So let's jump in and talk about the Buckeyes a little bit here. Ohio State comes in, of course, ranked third in the nation. The Buckeyes have the nation's top gaining offense with 565.3 yards per game. They're averaging 8.44 yards per play. And they are the 10th best scoring offense uh, in the nation right now at 47 Point seven points per game. The Buckeyes also boast the 21st ranked defense in the nation. It's been a stingy defense this year. They're only allowing 278.7 yards per game, 4.64 yards per play. And Eric, we've only allowed five touchdowns on the uh, in the first three games offensively, and three of those came against a pretty feisty Toledo team last week. Now, the offense is led by C.J. Stroud. Stroud comes in completing nearly 73% of his passes at 72.9%. He's 62 out of 85 on the season, 914, I'm sorry, 941 yards. That's the 13th most in the country. He has 11 touchdowns on the season, which is tied for tops in the country. And he has no interceptions, which is also tied for first in the country. 
He has an overall QB rating of 94.6, which is the third highest in the nation. Stroud can go to any number of receivers. Of course, we've got uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who's been injured for a good portion of the early season here. He comes in. He's only got four catches for 36 yards. But, you know, the consensus is that when he's healthy, he is the number one receiver in the nation. Emeka Ekbuka right now is leading this team in receptions. He has 20 for 324 yards and two touchdowns. Marvin Harrison Jr., he has 18 catches on the season, and he's leading the team with 342 yards, and he's also leading the team with five, yes, five receiving touchdowns already on the season. We've got Jaden Ballard, who's coming off a huge game versus Toledo, where he had six catches for 127 yards. Ballard also is leading the team right now in yards per catch at 21.2. Now, as far as the running attack goes, following the injury to Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams has stepped up, and he is now the team's leading rusher. Williams has 32 carries for 207 yards and a touchdown. He's averaging a very nice 6.5 per carry. Henderson's currently number two on the team with 197 yards. Uh, he's third on the team in yards per carry at 6.8, and he leads the team with three rushing touchdowns. And Eric, we do have still have a third head to that three-headed monster that we thought we lost with Evan Pryor. Dallin Hayden looked awful good last week stepping up. The true freshman came in after the injury to Henderson to spell Williams, and he had 17 carries for 108 yards. He now has 21 carries on the season, 121 yards. He's averaging 5.8 on the season per carry. Now, defensively, and we're going to really dive into this a little bit more later in the show, but defensively on the season, the Buckeyes have eight sacks. And against Toledo, we finally got a couple turnovers on the year. Leading the team in tackling, of course, Tommy Eichenberg. The linebacker's really solidifying his spot in the starting rotation with uh, his team leading 19 tackles. He's also tied for the team lead with two sacks, along with Michael Hall Jr. and Javante John, uh, Jean-Baptiste, who got his against Toledo. Baptiste also leads the team. He has a forced fumble, which is our only fumble uh, this year. Ronnie Hickman, he continues to be a leader on the, the backside of that defense. Uh, he comes in nine tackles. He does have our uh, lone interception on the season. You know, there, there's been, I think, really improved play through all three levels of that defense. Evident by the numbers and the number of contributors we've got. Eric, we've got, I believe, six players right now with double-digit tackles on the season. We have several more who are younger guys who are getting a lot of tackles. Uh, you know, this team is really looking much better defensively. So that's it by the numbers. Eric, what can we expect to see on the field schematically? So you, by now you know Aaron's not with us. However, I have his notes, Chris. You have the magic playbook. I got the magic playbook. Nice. So so we're going to break this down. We're going to try to here, Chris. Now, obviously, please don't hold me to the same standards that you hold uh, Sergeant MVP. But here is what he had to say about Wisconsin offensively. They, they, they play under center a lot, and they do so in a 12-man um, formation, so two tight end sets. He says they like to motion one tight end to the wing, creating a, a trips or, a, a, or a, a tight end and receiver combo on the outside. 
and then they will run under uh, run run the ball under this look a lot. They will also roll the quarterback out, uh, so uh, play action pass, and then and then he'll hit the tight end coming across the middle a lot. So we need to make sure that we are covering those tight ends, Chris, because this offense is geared a lot towards those tight ends, which makes sense when you gave the stats and you know and you got those tight ends statistically doing well this year for for Bucky. They also will run jet sweeps, which has hurt us against this team in the past, Chris. I remember the one year, it's like they ran that jet sweep about once every four or five plays on us, and we didn't adjust until the second half. So we can look for that as well. He says when they do pass and they go deep, there's a lot of five and seven step drops. So defensively, Chris, this is going to give our defensive line and our blitzing uh, schemes a chance to really get after the quarterback here. Um, and then when they're in the shotgun, they're in a lot of 11 and uh, 12 man personnel. And then he says when they run the football, it's a lot of inside outside zone running with um, the read option as well. He says, look for a lot of hooks and curls on the uh, receivers routes and running back screens um, which is something else that uh, we we did pretty good at uh, stopping that last year, but that's something that has been our Achilles heel in the past. Yes, Chris, go for it. Oh, no, no, I did okay. not have anything to add there. Eric. You did a wonderful job. Thank you. I, I saw you grab that mic and I thought, uh oh, he's going to he's going to add something. So defensively stopping this, Chris, Aaron says we need to run a lot of cover one, two and three. We need to be gap and play with gap integrity. Whenever you play Wisconsin, it is critical that you hold your line, that you play your gap, because if you get a little bit too um, excited and you over, you know, you don't fulfill your role in the defense, that's when they can gash you with a big run. Um, so this is still the same Wisconsin. He says that we know and love who runs the ball 40 times a game. They're just disguising it more. And so we need to disguise our blitz and keep it simple and don't get too cute. I think what Aaron is saying here is if we just play man to man straight up and we play our roles, then they're going to play into our defense. But if we try to do too much, then we can get burned here. So that's uh, Wisconsin offensively and Ohio State defensively. Now let's flip sides. Of course, Wisconsin runs a 3-4 base. That's three down linemen and four linebackers. They also run a 4-3 and a 3-2-6 uh, at times. And he says the, the three dense defensive linemen uh, look pretty good. The ends will be in, in, to, in a two-point stance and, and will sometimes stunt with the linebackers on blitzes. Um, they disguise their coverages very well. Uh, however, the secondary will look like man but will roll into a cover two. But they play mixed coverages on defense as well as a traditional one, two, three, and four. Um, but here's he here he says is kind of the Achilles heel of Wisconsin defensively. He said the secondary doesn't look great on film. Washington State toasted them. If Washington State toasted them, what is Ohio State going to do on them? This this is uh, they have got to get to C.J. Stroud. They've got to get him uh, pressure 
because if they just sit back in a zone and give CJ all day, Chris, I think he's going to torture him, man. I really do. Um, Ohio State should have oh. no. Ohio State should have no problem passing. Aaron says, "What OSU's offense should do is passing, a lot of mesh routes, comeback routes, post on single high safety looks, levels concept. I don't even know what that means, but sure, Aaron sounds good to me. <laughs> Wide receiver screens, yes, I love those. Running back screens, love that as well. And then when he says running the football, a lot of inside and outside zone." Wisconsin gets hung up quite a bit on the ends and corners struggle to get off their blocks. So if if I'm reading Aaron's notes right and from the film I've watched, Chris, I think we should run the ball to the outside. And I think we should I think we sh- I think we're going to do really well, especially with those mid middle to intermediate routes and the passing attack. I could see them playing a deep zone a lot, Chris because they don't want to get burnt deep and they just, and that we just pick them off all day long. Kind of, kind of like the Notre Dame game. We take what they give us, you know, and, and can we stay, can we stay um, on, on, can we stay on schedule and not get too greedy offensively and just take what they give us and march down the field and punch it in. I feel like that's kind of the recipe for success for Ohio state offensively. Chris, your thoughts. Yeah, I think that's exactly what we do, Eric. Uh, you know, we've got – and the difference between now and Notre Dame is C.J. Stroud now have, has a rhythm with Egbuka and with Harrison Jr. And even we saw, you know, a little bit with – now I know that he played more with uh, – uh, uh, I, I forgot the name of our backup quarterback. The kid from Pittsburgh McCord. There we go. Kyle yeah, there, you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but Ballard looked awful good out there. Uh, I think that we are seeing Fleming and, and Stroud start to get on the same page a little bit. And you know that the chemistry is going to be there if uh, Smith and Jigba is back for a full game. And I have to believe that unless he is you know, still feeling the effects of that injury, he will be back for the full game. Uh, you know, I think, like you said, these are guys who, if we just take our time and be patient and hit those crossing routes across the middle – we got guys who are going to break those crossing routes for big touchdowns. We've seen it with Egbuka already this year. So, yeah, I think, you know, I, it, Wisconsin has a good defense, but i tell you, I think this offense is just on another level that I don't think they're going to be able to keep up. Yeah, I'm with you. We're going to get into our predictions. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Chris and I got a special guest for you all, so hang tight, everybody. The OHIO Podcast is brought to you by Mastermind. Mastermind specializes in 360-degree high-definition mobile video mapping, GIS integration, and traffic safety studies. Mastermind cares about traffic safety and keeping you safe on the roadway. Visit Mastermind at OnlineMastermind.com. And we are back. Welcome back to the OHO podcast. And now Chris and I are joined by our guest, Ben Davis from the Davis and uh, Chad Davis uh, dotting the I. Is it Davis and Chad or is it Chad Davis? I think it's Davis and Chad, right? It is Davis and Chad. You put the talent first. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, there we go. If only he was here to defend himself right now. Yeah, that's why I said it. Yeah, dotting the I podcast. Welcome back. Hey, man, I'm so glad you guys are recording again. Last couple of weeks, couple of shows in. 
just love the chemistry you two guys have and the banter back and forth. I love it. Uh, where can everybody download your stuff if they haven't already? And uh, tell, tell everybody a little bit about your guys' show. Okay, so uh, again, we're in our third season. Uh, we kind of started this, you know, you guys kind of had some say-so in that uh, in regards to Chad knows Aaron Brown and uh, something we've been toying with on and off for a few years, but created it three years ago, so we're in our third season. Um, we are a little more loosely written, or I don't even know if we're even scripted. You know, we just kind of, we have a few ideas, we kind of run with it, and we've been best friends for so long that sometimes we just bring up stuff from the past, or we, I don't know, we, we feed off each other like we've been doing for years. You know, we used to spend times, you know, Fridays before games, Saturday nights after games on the phone for a couple hours, and finally we're like, hey, we should just turn this into a podcast. So essentially, that's kind of what it is. It's just two guys talking we may talk stats sometimes we may talk nonsense sometimes we don't even know where it goes sometimes if you were listening to the last episode i had to cut chat off completely because yes, i was like whoa, yes, whoa, whoa. Did. <laughs> yeah he was like hey okay listen you know this isn't just me and you anymore there might be some other people listening so you know but that's essentially what we do but at the root of it all we love ohio state we you know breathe and die ohio state and um that's kind of it. And uh, where you can find us is uh, we're on all the main platforms. So you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, Amazon, uh, Amazon Music, and more. So if you're uh, want to listen, uh, you can find us on any of those platforms. Fantastic. Yeah, I love I love the tagline you guys had. I think it was Toledo, Wisconsin, and anatomy class. <laughs> it, yeah, Toledo, Wisconsin, and a brief anatomy lesson. There you go. I love it. All right, so. Speaking of anatomy, let's talk about defense, shall we? Because it takes a, shall we say, testicular fortitude um, <laughs> to to uh, make some of those play calls that Jim Knowles has been making lately. And I'm, you know, I'm all for it, man. I'm absolutely all for it. Today's Facebook poll question. What are your feelings about the new Jim Knowles defense heading into conference play? Three games now that we've gotten to watch uh, this new defense. Your options were... Love it so much better than last year. Like it. It's better than last year, but still needs to improve and different. I feel the same as last year and not happy. This is not up to my standards for a Buckeye defense. I will say this. Three of those have votes. One did not get any votes, by the way, but three did. And one is absolutely running away with this thing. So I'll start with you first, Chris. How do you feel about the Jim Knowles defense? What would you have voted for? I know you didn't have opportunity to do that today. You've been busy. You literally ran home and jumped on in the uh, recording with us. How do you feel? What would you have voted for? What about this Jim Knowles defense? Your feelings thus far? I'm on the verge of loving it, but right now, Eric, I must say I like it, but we can still improve a little bit. Okay. Uh, for me, it is, and it's mainly the defensive back play. We're still seeing some guys get burnt back here a little bit. Uh, out of the front seven, I'm loving the aggressiveness I'm seeing. Uh, you know, you and I sat there through that Toledo game, and we saw guys coming just an inch from catching that really flashy, very quick quarterback. Uh, you know, we could have easily had, you know, four or five more sacks in that game than what we actually did. Uh, the, the aggressive play calling I think is great. I think we're doing a good job at keeping the numbers down uh, in the run game. Uh Right now, I think if we can just clean up that little bit of a problem we're having, and you know, we saw Cam Brown had his first, you know, his first real spot where he got beat last week, uh, and 
Denzel Burke, I'm just not sure what's going on. But I'll tell you, the kid's got all the talent in the world. I'm confident that we'll get this fixed. Um, so, like I said, once we get that cleaned up, I'm going to love this defense right now. Give me I really like Davis, what do you think, man? What what would you have voted for in your thoughts, man? Because I, I heard your last podcast. I kind of know where you're going to go with this thing. You and Chris sound very similar, actually, in your assessments of this defense thus far. And, yeah, I wish I could disagree. I guess maybe because that's what I'm used to having to do. But to be honest, I, I completely agree with everything you said. Um, I definitely love the improvements I'm seeing, but there's still you know, a ways to go. And I think it's – not as much with the scheme, I'm thinking. I think there's just like some cleanup stuff with the with the players. And I think what you're seeing, because essentially we have a lot of the same players we had last year, right? So I'm almost equating this a little bit to that 2018-2019 year. 2018, one of the worst defenses we had. And then we go into 2019 with, what, a top five defense that year with the same players. Um, I think you still got to give this time to work itself out and but it's definitely apparent that the players are thinking less and reacting quicker um that's the biggest thing i'm seeing is they're flying to the ball um they look a lot more aggressive like they're more confident in their reads but some of the things that need to be cleaned up especially like chris said in the defensive backfield with you know simple things that you know we've seen them do before like get your head around um don't let the player get behind you um taking better angles that was a few things that i think we've done a little better but i'm still seeing them take some bad angles at players that you know you know the thing is if you're out there on an island by yourself cut them off and let the rest of the defense come in and help out with the tackle you know if you can't make it by yourself cut the angle off you know just simple things that i know through more coaching and more practice are going to improve and get better so i'm basically in the same boat with chris there that i definitely like it but um i definitely don't think we've hit our ceiling this year so I actually put loved it and I wanted to say like it because that was my initial reaction, but I did, I had some time this morning when I woke up to actually put together some serious in-depth statistics and I wanted to compare apples to apples. I hate it when you compare apples to oranges. So I didn't want to look at the first three games of last year versus the first three games of this year, because the first game last year was on the road in Minnesota in a conference game. So I took last year's three non-conference games, Oregon, Tulsa, and Akron. Now, Akron was one of the worst teams in all of college football last year. So these stats are going to be slightly skewed from last year because Akron was terrible. But I also think Oregon last year is better than Notre Dame this year. So it it, kind of evens out because you have Notre Dame, Arkansas State. Arkansas State's about the same as Tulsa. And then Toledo. Toledo's much better than Akron, but Notre Dame's not quite as good as Oregon. So taking those three teams from 2021 and those three teams from 2022, let's look at the defense statistics right now. In those three games last year, we had given up 62 points or 20.6 points per game. In our first three games, our non-conference games this year, we've given up 43 points or 14.3 points per game. That's a 6.3 point drop from last year. Total TDs, they had given up eight last year in those three games. That's 2.6 a game. So far this year, four, that's 1.3 a game. So cut that in half. 
total mm-hmm. yards. They gave up 1,235 yards or 411.6 yards per game defensively. That's atrocious. This year, 836. That's an average of 278.6 a game. Sign me up for that every game, all day long, given our offense. Third down efficiency. Now, here is where the biggest difference is. Last year, against Oregon, Tulsa, and Akron, we were our opponents were 22 of 46 on third down, 48%. This year, 12 of 46, 26%. We have almost cut that in half, just about. That is the biggest difference from this last year to this year. Now, here's some actual statistics that we were better in last year. Turnovers. We had caused four turnovers in those three games. So far this year, just two. So 1.3 a game versus 0.6 a game. But I think that's going to change. Sacks. They had 10 sacks last year against Oregon, Tulsa, and Akron. However, eight of those 10 sacks came against Akron. Eight in one game. This year, we've had eight total or 2.6 a game. So judging apples to apples, I love it, man. Now, the people who say they hate it, uh, it's not up to their standard, which was Chris Davis. I wonder if he's related to you at all, Ben. Chris Davis. Negative. And Austin, uh, Austin Eugene Dowdy. I got to talk to you two guys. Because if you're not happy with what you've seen in the first three or even like it a little bit, I don't know. What, what are you expecting? The George, the, even the Georgia defense, which was considered the best in college football ever last year, okay? Even they gave up like 20-some against – or was it 30 against Alabama in the yeah. SEC championship game. So, come on. You know what I mean? Like, judging apples to apples – I, I, I got to say I love it. Chris, you want to respond to this? Yeah, Eric, I'll tell you, one of the biggest things I do love about this defense, you know, I mentioned the aggressiveness, but they, they are angry. They are – especially you look at the way that the, that defensive line is playing. Man, they, they are getting nasty down there. And Mike, you know, Michael uh, Hall Jr., he's, he's vicious. Uh, and even, even in the linebacker core, you know, we, we talked about that big hit that Steel Chambers had last week. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, Eichenberg gets in and, and gets a big sack. And when they're hitting these guys, they are hitting them hard and they are staying down. You know, I, I mean, just the aggressiveness and the meanness that we have finally gotten back in our defense. It's been gone. It's been gone for a while. Uh, and, and I love seeing that. Uh, again, I'm still not quite there. 100% on the love train with you. You, I know the stats are much better. Um I want to see what happens against the uh, the Big Ten schedule the first couple games. I want to see what we see out of uh, improvements on that back end. If it's there, I'll tell you. It. But I will say this. Jim Knowles has won me over. There's no doubt about that. I have every confidence in what this guy can do with the defense. So the swagger's back. I agree with you, Chris. Uh, ben, what do you think, man, the swagger? Where, where's the swagger coming from, do you think, first off? And second off with that question, um, outside of the defensive backs, let's say the defensive backs don't improve this year, which I think they will. I think it's a matter of health myself but and just experience. But if they don't improve, is this defense good enough to win it all? 
So the first part of that is kind of where is this coming from? Um, I'm pretty sure this started immediately after the Rose Bowl game when they were in the weight room. I think in the offseason, Coach Mick kicked their, pardon my French, their ass yeah. uh, for months. And, of course, you know, if we lose that game, it's posted everywhere. And that hunger and that fight, and I don't know if, you know, if we've lifted weights before, but I know, you know, it's one thing to sit there and lift the weights. It's another thing if you have something pumping you up and you're getting more out of it. They've had a bunch of months to sit there and get their asses kicked in the weight room and pump them up. So I think we are just immediately a tougher team to begin with. And, you know, especially when, you know, you, get, you feel like you're getting your manhood challenge like last year. So I'm thinking that's where it came from. Uh, in regards to the defensive backfield, I think that we are still a championship level team, even if they remain where they're at, if they don't improve. Because I think Jim Knowles can scheme to give them some extra help while still creating enough pressure. I, I mean, I love how much we're blitzing. But I think we can get plenty of pressure on the quarterback without that much blitz. Um, I know we still don't have that defensive end like a Chase Young or a Joey Bosa or a Nick Bosa quite, but it's more by committee on the line that we're going to get through and, and create pressure. So even if we don't improve at all there, I still think that we – like I said at the beginning of the year, as long as we're somewhere in the top 20 defensive-wise, even top 25, as long as the offense doesn't come out and lay an egg somewhere – I don't see anyone that beats us this year, to be honest. Chris, your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I think that this – we are definitely competitive enough right now defensively to get into the playoff. I think that we are competitive – our defense is good enough to win our conference, get in the playoff. I honestly think that we can handle 99% of the teams in the country. The only one that concerns me a little bit, if we have any laps on that back end, would be Georgia. Um, which, you know, they're primarily a running team, but Stetson Bennett has looked awfully good early in this season. Uh, and, you know, that that worries me a little bit. Alabama, I mean, I think we've seen that they've, they've got weaknesses. Uh, Texas, uh, Texas, you know, nearly exploited that. Um, and by all rights, should have won that game. But defensively, I don't know if we're national championship caliber. Offensively, yes. I don't even question the offense. Defense, we're good enough to get there. Are we good enough to put it over the top without the defensive backs approving? I just don't know. I think that's a big if. So maybe this will help you guys out a little bit. <clears throat> there have been – so. So Jim Knowles has given each position coach defensively the autonomy to rotate at his own will throughout the first three games. So if you've noticed, uh, Larry Legend has been rotating three deep at both the defensive tackle and the defensive end positions. So the first, second, and third string are all getting into that game. The linebacker, linebackers, they've been rotating between three guys, and Jim Knowles is in charge of the linebacker room, by the way. At cornerback, they've basically been rotating against three guys, uh, but that's been more because of health than anything. Right. Safety, they've been rotating between six guys for three positions, so they've been rotating first and second string. I have heard this week Jim Knowles tell the defensive coaches, button it up, you're only rotating too deep now, period. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. 
there's a significant drop off between I think our best defensive lineman and our second best defensive lineman and then our third best defensive lineman. So do not be surprised if there are some guys who've been playing quite a bit in the first three games, not get in these get in this game against Wisconsin as much. And I think it's because I think he understands as a defensive coordinator, these first three non-conference games, let's see what we've got. Now we've got a sample size. We know what we have. Now let's roll with what we we believe in and we trust in as coaches. I think that's what we're going to do. If that is the case, I have a feeling this defensive line, Davis, is going to get after Graham Mertz like he is not experienced. He is not a good quarterback. I'm sorry. I've watched the film. I know his numbers are better than they've been the last couple years. He's throwing at 71%. He's got six touchdowns, the two interceptions. He's played against some pretty trash teams. And the best team he played against, he looked terrible in Washington State. And I'm sorry, but the Cougars are nowhere near as good as the Buckeyes defensively. I think he's going to draw it up this week, man. He's going to take – he is going to come after Mertz. And they're going to say, listen, Braylon Allen is not going to beat us. Graham Mertz, you are going to beat us. We're going one-on-one on the outside all game long. I'm going to put a linebacker or a safety on your tight ends, and I'm coming after your butt all game long. If he draws that up, does that give you more confidence? Or does that make you worried a little bit that he's going to leave himself vulnerable especially on the backside of the defense. I don't feel that bad about it. I mean, I based upon especially when we had an earlier episode this week and we talked about it with me and Chad, you know, I I'm, I'm very favorable that we're going to be uh pretty strong against Wisconsin defensively. Uh, I like you, I have zero or little to zero faith in Graham Mertz. I mean, he what he was was he a five star if I'm not uh, four. mistaken four. four. But I know he's I know he's a highly touted blue chip quarterback, and I don't do it often, but every once in a while I'll go looking around to see what other um, teams are saying and listening to their podcasts or listening to their um, YouTube posts or whatever. And I listened to one the other day and. They're sitting there thinking, listen, we've had Graham Mertz in the system now. Was this year three? And uh, they said, what is the point of recruiting a blue chip quarterback like this if he's not going to be worth a crap throwing the ball? You know, they're talking about you can't just line up against Ohio State and run the ball, which I agree. I don't think they're going to be able to do because I have that much faith in our front seven in our run defense. So that means Graham Mertz is literally going to have to play the game of his life. And I mean, if you really think about it, some of the big plays that we gave up on uh, on the first couple games were like finicky stuff. Like, you know, in the Notre Dame game, he kind of tips it up and catches it, falling his back. Another one is a guy's like, you know, scrambling out to the left and throws his Johnny Manziel pass up in the air. And somehow, like some of them were a little fluky, too. Like, I'm not going to say that we're just constantly getting beat, you know. So I think Graham Mertz is probably going to be in over his head this game. Um, I'm not seeing Wisconsin do much, especially through the air. And especially if we force them one-dimensional like that, I don't think it's going to be close. Go ahead, Chris. All I'm thinking is if they're going to tighten it up and they're going to get that rotation down you know, to where it's our one-two deep, our, our best guys out there every time, I'm with you guys. I think that this – could get really, really ugly for Graham Mertz. Like you said, Eric, you know, he, he, he's not a good quarterback. And I'm just thankful that we missed out on him. when yeah. Ryan Day wanted you, him. Yeah, I know. Day wanted this young man. Who knows? 
Maybe under Ryan Day, he's a completely different quarterback. You don't know. That's what I was thinking right there. But let me tell you, boys, just because just, just you, you can box doesn't mean you're ready to get in the ring with Ali. This guy is not going to be ready to play play against a Knowles defense if it's dialed in and we just have our best guys out there. I was listening to Steel Chambers. He got interviewed by the media the other day. Dude is so pumped for this game. Like, this is tailor-made for Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, yeah. our linebackers, and our defensive linemen. Like, they know, like, hey, what what is Wisconsin known for? Offensive linemen, right? Offensive linemen and big running backs, right? Yep. It's tailor-made for our defense. Like, if Graham Mertz was a running quarterback, which he's not, by the way, but if he was, I'd be a little more worried because I, yeah. I think that's our Achilles heel as an athletic quarterback. He's not. He's got eight carries for negative five yards. He's not going to take off and run on us, man. And if he does, he's going to get maybe 10, 15 yards. If he, if he does, he better hope he knows how to slide. <laughs> right? Because I'll tell you what, they've been blowing him up. <laughs> I'll say this. I'll say this. I'm more worried about their defense. Yes against our offense than I am our, our defense against their offense. And I'm pretty confident our offense is going to score. So that's where I'm at. I just, I look when I, when I look at this defense, our defense, that is when I look at our defense, I feel like this is going to be the game where we look back at moving forward. And we say, this is where that defense that was trending up took off. This is the game. I feel that. I got a confidence about that. Tell me I'm wrong. Someone tell me I'm wrong. Davis, you like I know you like the you like the disagree chat. Am I wrong? No, because the difference is I'm actually right most of the time. And you're <laughs> right. So I can't disagree with that. Nice. No, I know he's listening. He's probably gonna be pissed. I'll hear about it later, but that's all right. <laughs> I love you, Chad. I know you're Chad, listening. Chad, you need to come on and defend yourself. I know. We'll give him an opportunity. No, but to be perfectly honest, um, I think that confidence is warranted with the differences we've seen. You know, it's not as simple as just looking at stats. Like, you know, someone just looking in said, oh, well, you give it 21 points to Toledo. Like, watch the game, man. Watch the players flying around. Watch the athleticism and watch the fact that, I mean, we probably were like, you know, a few fingertips away from like six sacks in that game. So I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, we're the best thing since sliced bread. Now, all of a sudden, the defense is the top five. You know, we're on Georgia's level defensive wise. But, you know, it's clear to see that not only has this changed, not only has, you know, the level of intensity changed, the aggression, everything, but the confidence is there. And I know if I'm feeling it, I know the players and the coaches have got to be feeling it, too. So my confidence going into uh, the Big Ten play, especially against Wisconsin, is a lot higher than what I anticipated it would be. You know, this is one of the games before we started the season that kind of circled. And I was like, man, that's a tough Big Ten opener. You know, at home, it's, it, it, that's good. But, you know, that, that's one that kind of gets me a little bit nervous. I'll be honest, I have no nerves going into this game. And that's not really like me. Normally I have some nerves going to, going into, a you know, kind of a key matchup. I don't. I can't explain it, but I just don't. Last comment on the defense before we turn it over and look at our predictions. Chris? Ohio State defense going into this game against Wisconsin. Your last thoughts? I'm just excited to see what they do. I, I really think I, I agree with you guys. I think this has a chance to be that signature game where that defense, the defense really takes 
you know, really takes it to the next level. Uh, you know, I, like, like you were saying, we're going to see fewer players out there. And, you know, I've, I've heard people actually criticize the stats of some of our defensive starters. Like, you know, three games and Eichenberg's only got 19 tackles. Well, yeah, but he's playing a half a game, you know? Right. So, yeah, I think when we get these guys in there, uh, and we're going to appreciate that depth that we've seen, uh, the guys who have got that playing time. But now it's time to buckle down and get serious about it. And I think this is the game, like you said, that's where this is where they do it, and they make a statement. Piggy, to piggyback off what you just said, Chris, uh, it, he doesn't have as many opportunities to make tackles because we're getting off the field on third down, finally. Right. So we're not we're not facing as many offensive plays as we normally are. So that that's a good thing. Uh, all right, Davis, your last thoughts on this defense to sum it up. Man, it's I'm just going to be re- regurgitating everything that you guys have said. I mean, my confidence is there. I think it is important what Chris mentioned about the depth. And I think that's the key thing we've seen in the first three games is how good how talented we really are in the second and third string. I mean, the only thing really working against them is just lack of experience. Uh, I can't tell you how many freshmen I've seen, true freshmen, that look almost game ready already. Yeah. That is just so surprising. And we're going to get those guys for two more solid years after this. So not only are we heading in the right direction, but I think we are built to be, you know, to keep this thing going for years on end. And this can only help our defensive recruiting moving forward. So I, I my confidence is kind of going sky high. I'm I'm not trying to, like, you know, completely fall in love with it yet. I'm still holding out a little bit like Chris is, but I really like where it's going. So here's my final thought, and this is another nugget. I've been holding on to you, get, holding on to this. So he keeps getting asked, uh, talking about Jim Knowles, he keeps getting asked all the time, you know, how much of the defense do you have installed? How much? He, and he's been, he has admitted they've been rather basic through the first three games, okay? I think he unleashes it this week. I really think you're going to see a lot of unique, different things than what we have seen before, and it's going to make a big difference in this football game. So that being said, let's go ahead and look at our predictions for the score. So I have Aaron's pulled up here since he's not with us. He did give us a score prediction of 45 to 21. He thinks Ohio State wins 45-21. Uh, I'm very close to that. I'm just not as high offensively on either team. I went Ohio State 38, Wisconsin 13, two field goals, and I do think they slip one past the goalie and get a score. So 38-13 is what I've got. Chris, what do you have? I had an Ohio State 42-14. to 14. A little bit better than me. Very, very good. We're all right in that range, though. Yeah, we're all right there. Davis, what do you have, man? Well, I got to tell you the truth because I recorded on my previous episode. So I went 41-20. 41-20. All right. So a 21-point win is what you've got. So we're all – we're all all three of us are saying take the over. I like that, man. I, I, I feel very confident you should take the over. I think the spread is 16, and I, I think I think we cover that. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about our, our power rankings, guys. I'm, I've been very excited to have you on, Davis, for this segment because – we always hear the same three guys talk about our power rankings, and this is the first year you have been able to participate in our power rankings. So I got to ask, so far, is this the first time you've ever done this, and how are you liking it? 
It is the first time I've ever done an entire conference power ranking, and I like it because it's actually forcing me to pay attention a little bit more than I think I had in the past. (laughs) So, you know, it's not just looking like I catch myself. I'm not just looking at, you know, what the score was. I'll actually look at the box scores and then I'll try to, you know, catch up on some highlights. And I actually appreciate that a little bit more because I think then going into a game, I actually have more of an idea of what we're up against instead of just, okay, well, this is what the rank, this is what their score is. This is what someone else is telling me to believe. So it's definitely getting me more involved in the conference. And I I actually have a pretty good appreciation for that. On the downside, I have less time for my wife and she doesn't like that. So, uh oh, Uh -oh. so I got to find a happy medium. I'm working on it. Uh oh. So what you need to do is you need to incorporate your wife and help. Have her help you with your power rankings. Well, she is an SEC fan and a UK fan, so the second oh, I start wow. talking Big Ten, she checks out. Oh, when you said SEC, I almost like I, well, I don't know if I should pray for you. Well, for those of you who don't know, I live in Kentucky. I'm from Columbus. <laughs> you know, I, I went through high school in Columbus, but I went to college in Kentucky. And kind of, I always say I got stuck here. You know, my job opportunity was here, and I never made it back up. So, of course, I marry a girl that is a big UK fan. I'm an Ohio State fan. It is what it is. I don't know. I don't know a better way to explain it. Oh, shucks. All right. Well, maybe maybe get her do give her your uh, her SEC power rankings to you so you can tear them apart. I could already tell you UK number one, everyone else. Oh, geez. Oh, I know. <laughs> did, did, did you tell her that UK is a basketball school? Hey, listen, I don't know if that's true anymore. I mean, UK lost to a number two seed in the basketball tournament last year, yeah. and they're currently a top 10 ranked football team. So, hey, I don't know. Maybe maybe this year they're more football. All right, so let me ask you this question. Um, how interesting is it when you see people per- posting their power rankings and you're, you're like, no. Like, you're like, like, I do that all the time. Like, someone will post their power rankings. I'm like, I totally disagree with that. You know, and it's really funny because it really skews because you have to it's an average of everything. So your personal power rankings aren't necessarily what happens for our power rankings. It's just your one one part of it, one eighth or one tenth, however many people are doing it now. And I so I see someone's power rankings and I'm like, oh, you totally got that team too low or too high. Do you do you find yourself doing that? Absolutely. I mean, it's basically more at the top because once I start seeing them come in, I'm like, well, there's the team up north fan. Well, there's the team up north fan. Well, there's the team up north fan. And then I'm like, where's the Penn State guy? I'm pretty sure he's doing it. At least he's being honest. Good for him. <laughs> oh, Kevin, you'll let you. Kevin's a great guy. He is. Uh, I, I listen to him. I like Kevin. All right. So here's the deal. Here we go. We're going to go over this week's power rankings. Uh, Chris, I'm going to let Davis respond to the uh, upper half. Okay. Uh, Chris, I'll let you respond to the lower half. So here we go. Number one for a fourth straight week is Ohio State. Number two for a fourth straight week is that team up north. Climbing up to number three after starting in the middle of the pack is Penn State. So Penn State has climbed up to number three. And isn't it so poetic? I mean, it just looks right, right? Ohio State team up north, Penn State. Top three teams. Overrated. <laughs> at number four, <laughs> at number four, staying put is Minnesota. And I think we're going to find out how good Minnesota is because they go on the road to take on the number six ranked team, Michigan State, who fell after losing on the road last week at Washington, or if you're from most of the uh, southern part of the Midwest, Washington. 
they are now number six, and climbing from six to number five is the team that the team up north plays in Maryland. Number seven, cracking the top half of the power rankings for the first time since we have been doing this is Rutgers. Rutgers is number seven in the power rankings. So to go over that top half again, Ohio State, the team up north, Penn State, Minnesota, Maryland, Michigan State, and Rutgers. What what your overall reaction to the top half of those power rankings, Davis? I think they're not too far off. I would definitely agree with the top three. Um, I will say that Penn State has been a pleasant surprise. I do know they're young. I do know they are talented, though. But we're kind of in that day in college football where, you know, young talent is really emerging. And players are coming in more game ready, more bodily ready. They're, you know, coming in early and rolling. Uh, so I have a lot more confidence in the fact that, it, you know, if you're a young team, you do have potential to be up there. Um, I think that's going to be probably if, you know, saying it right now, I think that's probably going to be one of our toughest matchups of the entire year is the Penn State matchup. Minnesota, I'm still holding out on. And it's for two reasons. One, you know, that it's hard to gauge the out of conference games. Uh, I'm not as familiar with every single game they played. I know they've been putting up really good numbers, which is impressive. But again, you know, once they get into that Big Ten schedule, I'll kind of reserve my judgment until I see a few of those games. But they're always they're in the West. So it just always depends on who they're playing from the east side on whether or not it's going to be a safe gauge of who they're playing. And I think Michigan State is probably almost an even team with them, in my opinion. Mm. So, you know, if they had to go through the East Gauntlet, I would not be I would not put Minnesota in the top four. But, you know, with them being on the West and avoiding a handful of those matchups, they don't have to play Ohio State. I'm not sure if they have to play Michigan this year. No, they don't. So they're they avoiding. Have, they have Michigan State and Penn State is the, the two tough ones. Yeah, and I'll give them that. I mean, that's better than it being, you know, Indiana and Rutgers or something like that. But, you know, they're still avoiding, you know, arguably two of the best three teams in the conference. So they're going to probably – be favored you know and stay higher up in the rankings but you know i worry about those matchups but really other than that the only thing that really kind of stands out is that Rutgers, you know and i think people are jumping the gun a little bit dude it's still Rutgers, and they're you're never going to convince me otherwise Rutgers is going to be a bottom half team they will never be a top half team in the big 10 i don't care who's coaching there i don't care if they have liquid gold running in their locker rooms i'm not trying to diminish the program but i'm sorry it's Rutgers. So interestingly enough, as we get it ready to go in the bottom half, Wisconsin is number eight. They are not in the top half of these power rankings. So if you look at our power rankings, Maryland's five, Wisconsin is eight. Maryland goes to that team up north. Wisconsin comes to Ohio Stadium. If you if we look at these power rankings, technically that team up north has a tougher game than what we do. I'm not so sure that I agree with that, but at the same time, Maybe they do. I think we're going to find out a lot about Maryland and uh, and like you said, Minnesota this week. I think that those are the two teams in the top half we are going to find out the most about. Because if they can go into Ann Arbor and they give that team up north a good game, not saying they win, but they give them a good game. They're in it to the fourth quarter, you know, to the end of the game. I think Maryland's for real. I've, I, I think they're a scary team. Do you have them as an upset, Chris, that in your preseason? Can't remember if you had that upset. No, I think I had Michigan State upsetting the uh Okay. That team up north. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're right. I remember that now. I don't know, man. I, I, I think if, if Maryland can get on a roll offensively, it could be a shootout, dude. Maryland could be scary offensively. Yeah. Unlike that number seven team who got in there without an offensive touchdown last week. I don't think that <laughs> one, They're not in my top half of my power rankings, but somehow they squeezed in there. All right, let's go to the bottom half now. Number eight is moving up after their win is Wisconsin. Number nine at three and oh, somehow the basement dwellers, the Hoosiers are number nine. Staying pet put at number 10 is Iowa. Moving down to number 11 is Purdue, who's one and two. Man, they look terrible. Moving down to number 12 is Illinois. I think they actually play tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Number 13, staying pat at number 13 is Northwestern, and staying put in the bottom at number 14 is Nebraska. Again, the set, bottom half, Wisconsin, Indiana, Iowa, Purdue, Illinois, Northwestern, and Nebraska. Every time I look at the bottom half, outside of Wisconsin, gosh, it looks ugly, guys. Chris, your thoughts? It's trash. Bad. I mean, plain and simple, it's, it's bad. Now, I'll tell you, if you could take Maryland's offense and give that to Iowa, that's, that's a national championship that, team. That's a team to be scared with, man. Yeah, absolutely. But you know what? You know, they have no offense. Well, hey, listen, you, you've got so many teams down here. Nebraska is just – it's a crap show at Nebraska. I mean, they're, they're, they, may, uh, they may go without a conference win this year. I was gonna I, say, I was gonna say they'll beat Northwestern. No, they, they didn't. They lost to Northwestern. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> Northwestern, you know, they they gave oh. you a open week one, and I thought, oh crap, here we go again. The every other year, no, that's not happening because I'll tell you what, they are what they we thought they are. Were they they are trash? Uh, you know, losses to Duke and what was it, Southern Illinois, something yeah. like that. Southern Illinois. The, okay. It would be like Ohio State losing losing to Miami of Ohio. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, Purdue. Toledo beat Southern Illinois by by 40 points. I kid yeah. you not. Purdue and Nebraska have really broken my heart this year. I really thought this was a year where those two teams could have contended in the West. And Nebraska was not a matter of talent. It's a matter of they had an idiot for a head coach. Purdue, I think they just lost too much, and maybe we overassumed, given the fact they have a very good quarterback. Uh, Indiana, don't get excited, folks. They've played crap teams. They're going to fall back to earth. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, I, I truly believe that, with the exception of Wisconsin, who, you know, could possibly, you know, make a run. After this loss, you know, maybe, I don't know. But, but I look at that, and, and those bottom, those bottom uh, what, six, seven teams, they're awful. And I'll tell you something else, Eric. I'm looking, you know, we have Minnesota playing, was it Sparty, right? Yep. So we got Minnesota and Sparty. One of those teams is going to fall out of the top seven this week. I truly believe that. Mm, I, I don't know, because – I, I literally, okay, I'll give you I literally can see outside the top five. I literally can see Michigan State winning that game. So Minnesota Minnesota falls behind Michigan State. Rutgers loses. Wisconsin loses. Like there's no I mean they might R fall. Rutgers six. has two this week. Who does Rutgers have? 
I forget. What if Rutgers doesn't lose? We can conceivably see Rutgers in the top five. Well, Rutgers plays. We play Ohio. Rutgers plays Ohio State next week, and I think I think they have an. Wait for a game. week, man. Let them have their week, Eric. Oh, they they're Iowa. Iowa's at Rutgers. I think that's a winnable game for Rutgers. Yeah, because Absolutely. Iowa can't score. Yes. That I game might be right now. Ruck- we are looking at a top five Rutgers team in our <laughs> power rankings next. <laughs> Don't. No, Rutgers, please, God, Rutgers no. Rutgers might win a second consecutive game without scoring an offensive touchdown. For all that is holy and everyone that is watching our yeah. conference, please. Because I game, feel like I don't know if we can live that down. Oh, my God. That game could be one, two to nothing. Or maybe four to two. Oh, we're going to set college football. That game is going to set college football back by decades. They might, find a, they might find a way to win one to nothing. <laughs> it might be possible. Yeah. Just, <laughs> a zero, zero tie. <laughs> zero zero tie after about six of the double overtimes and trying to go for it two and they can't get there they're just like guys just go home this is ridiculous all 15 people in the stands all all, all parents cheering all right <laughs> let's go let's go to, let's talk about some games that are interesting outside of the big 10 this week guys so uh here's how we're going to finish this week's show we're going to do our big game predictions and right now chris uh let me pull this up but uh you and I are in a two-way tie at seven and five. Aaron did not have a very good week last week. He went he went two and two. He's now six and six. So you're seven and five. I'm seven and five. Aaron is six and six coming into this week. We usually do four. We're gonna go ahead and do a fifth. We threw a fifth one in there for our kicks and giggles this week. Here we go. Number twelve. I don't know if I have these right or not. I'll maybe not have updated these, so I'm not gonna give you the uh, rankings. But Baylor is at Iowa State. Date and I believe uh, I Baylor is a one point favorite at Iowa State. Uh, Aaron went with Baylor. Chris, who are you going with? I'll tell you what, Baylor was supposed to be a hot team this year. BYU came out, beat them up, and then I'll tell you what, BYU doesn't look like the team we thought they were either. <sighs> they got handled by Oregon. I, I'm going to go with Matt Campbell. Give me Matt Campbell at home. I'm going to take Iowa State. You're going to take the neck, the future head coach in Nebraska, huh? Absolutely. All right. I'm going to go with the Bears. Give me Baylor. I'm going to go against you, Chris. We need to break that tie since you're here. Davis, what do you think, man? Baylor, Iowa State, what you got? Iowa State. I'll make it short. All right. So two for two for Iowa State and two for Baylor. Very good. Clemson is on the road at Wake Forest. All right. Wake Forest got pretty good offense, a terrible defense. Clemson, uh, I guess, a good defense. They've played pretty good defensively. Offensively, they're kind of hit or miss. Well, actually, Eric, uh, the Wake Forest is ranked 38th in the country defensively. Clemson is 35th. Okay. So, relatively, I guess, even there. Um, Neither played a team this year. Yeah, right, exactly. Aaron says take the Tigers. Chris, what do you think? You, you know, I really I want to take Wake Forest, but I just can't bring myself to do it. I'm going to take Clemson, but I'll tell you, I, I don't know. I, I'll tell you this. I don't think they cover the spread. Okay. And the spread is, by the way, Clemson seven and a half. at seven and a half. Yeesh. 
Uh, okay. Uh, I told you all one of my crazy college predictions this year was Clemson was going to lose three games this season. So I've got to take Wake Forest. This is one of the games. Right this here. is a good possibility, Eric. Like I said, I wanted to take him. But... Give, me, give me the Demon Deacons. I don't know what a demon deacon is. The only deacons I know are in church, and most of them weren't, de- weren't demons, but whatever. Wake Forest. Uh, Davis, you want to make that uh, – uh, uh, you want to join me here, man? Go two for two again? I actually am going to join you, yeah. and simply for the fact that after we beat them in the playoffs a few years ago, they have not recovered. So here's to the downfall of Clemson. Wake oh, Forest. Oh, he's with the, their broken theory. Yeah, I like I like it. We broke them. This would probably happen to Notre Dame too. All right, so here we go. Florida, who's two and one at three and zero. Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by nine and a half points. The last time Tennessee was favored this highly over a Florida team was when Peyton Manning was quarterback for the Vols. Aaron says, "Give me the Vols." I say, "Let's go Vols." I think Florida's a paper champion. What do you think, Chris? Rocky Top's an awful tough place to play, Eric, especially when the team's rolling the way they are right now. I'm taking Tennessee. Davis, we're gonna make it. A, we're gonna make it a, a clean sweep here for the Vols. Yeah, it's got to be a clean sweep. I mean, I don't particularly like either team, but I, I, I spend a lot more money in Tennessee than I do Florida. So let's go Tennessee. There you go. All right, kicking it, staying in the SEC. We've got Arkansas against uh, Texas A&M, who's coming off. The big comeback win against Miami. I tell you, you got to hand Texas A&M. They've had a one heck of a schedule to start this season. Arkansas is 3-0. Texas A&M is 2-1. The Aggies are two-and-a-half-point favorites. Aaron says take the upset. He's going with the Hogs. I say Aggies. Chris, you're going to split the difference here. What do you think? I'll tell you what, Eric. I That win over Miami showed me a little something. I'm going to take the Aggies. I think they're getting it right down there. All right. And I think this is a team, by the way, Eric, that beats Alabama this year. It could happen. Uh, it definitely could happen. Uh, Davis, what do you think, man? You Aggies or Hogs on this one? It's got to be Texas A&M, especially after seeing how much Arkansas struggled last week. What was it, Missouri State? And they trailed to about the fourth quarter. So I think Texas A&M starting to right the ship a little bit. I mean, they got good enough players, so give me the Aggies. Yeah, I think the, I think the Hogs are kind of uh, – Gold's gold. I think they normally are when they're good like this. All right. And our last one, we threw this one in right before we started recording for fun, just because I, I okay. So I have, I, I got to tell you guys a little bit a truth here and don't make fun of me, but I've been listening to Notre Dame podcasts ever since we played them because the meltdown of this fan base has been just gold. It's, are they ready to fire the coaching staff yet, Eric? It's been they want some of them want to, man. It's better than it's it's more gold than their stinking helmets, man. It is just glorious to watch the meltdown in the Irish fan base, dude. And the way that they lost to Marshall, who turned around and lost to Bowling Green, is just amazing. That being said, they are on the road after barely beating Cal. On the road at North Carolina, uh, Notre Dame is a one-point favorite. I just looked it up. Aaron says, give me the Tar Heels. Chris, what do you think? They're going to bring Sam Howell back to play quarterback? Probably not. 
Because if not, I'm definitely going against the Tar Heels. <laughs> now, uh, yeah, that, that's tough. That's, that's a give me the Golden Domers. Oh, let's see. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Let's thought- face it. College football is better when they're at least relevant, even if it's just the fact that we're poking fun at them. I'm going Tar Heels here, man. I, I'm sorry, dude. I, I they are so bad offensively. They are bad, but I have confidence in Marcus Freeman. I have confidence in James Laurinaitis that they will get that. They may win this game without scoring a defense or an offensive touchdown. Here's here's the deal. We may have broke Clemson. I know for a fact we broke Notre Dame. No. Yes, their backs are. They're like Tyson when he after that fight when he said. He 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 said he said he broke his back and the, the announcer goes you where'd you break your he's like you broke your back yeah I broke my back he goes where he goes how he goes it's spinal I really think we broke your spine <laughs> I'm sorry we broke their leprechaun is is he he might not walk again it was a spinal injury I'm telling you dude <laughs> I'm telling you man Notre Dame is broken. There, if they, I so want this. I'm picking North Carolina just so I can listen to their podcast this week and listen to the utter meltdown of this fan base. Give me the heels. Davis, what you got? Uh, before I pick, can I at least point out the transitive property that all these fans like talking about? Apparently, Bowling Green is better than Ohio State. Okay, just putting that out there. Right. <laughs> so, give me the Tar Heels. Yes. Oh, you sure you don't want to change your mind, Chris? Sorry, I'm not changing it. I'm not changing it. I'm going to ride it out. Ride and die with Marcus Freeman. <laughs> I have confidence that that young man will eventually be able to coach. He can coach. He can coach. It's That's not the problem, Chris. The, well, pro- the problem is, is the, the problem is, is they have no players. Well, you know what? North Carolina's roster isn't exactly impressing anybody this year either. Defensively, this is true. But offensively, they can at least score. Transitive property. They beat App State. App State beat Texas A&M. Hey. Oh, don't even get me started. <laughs> App State what you're saying is right Bowling Green. Let's, let's play this out. Bowling Green is a college football playoff team. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Uh, yeah, according to oh, fans online, yes. Them in the first round. <laughs> Bowling Green. That's almost like having a bye. Hey, didn't they beat Minnesota last year too? They did. That's right. And Minnesota won what, like nine games or something? Well, let's remember Minnesota. That was wasn't that right the week that after they lost Ibrahim? Didn't they lose? We broke to them. Minnesota? We broke we broke, them. We Thank Minnesota. you. Bowling Thank you, Lord. Bowling Green shows up and beat. I'm telling you, this is a real thing. It is. When people play Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia, someone like that, the very next week you go and you go and look at how many times that team lays an egg the next week. They play Alabama tough. They play Georgia tough. They play Ohio State tough. They, it's their Super Bowl. They are they are so spent physically and emotionally that that next week. You might as you 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 might lose to the sisters of the poor. I'm telling you, it's a. Do you tell me Toledo's going down this week? Who are they playing? I don't even know. 
I don't know. Right now, I already take the other team to cover the spread, and I will put money on it. Let's find it. Let's find out. Let's. This is a great. This is great. Okay, so they play San Diego State. Oh, that's that's a horrible team. That's not a cakewalk. San Diego State can be. I was thinking New Mexico State. My bad. Yeah, San Diego State ain't bad. I'm pretty sure. No, they're not too bad. That 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 game, that they'll probably lose. Is it a home game? It, no, they're on the road at San Diego State. They got to go across the country for a 3:30 kick, 12:30 their time in San Diego. They're gonna lose. They're gonna lose that game. I think you take that one to Vegas right now. That's a loss. Yeah, I, I don't know that I can disagree because, like I said, that San Diego State is not a chump. You know, a chump team. They they're got a decent program. Yeah. No. So let me see if I can find the spread on this real fast before we call it a show because I love this type of type of stuff because i i love taking people's money when i have the opportunity we've got uh toledo by a point it's a pick it's a pickup take san diego state when you're when yourself some money people absolutely all right, all right there you go guys that's our show davis thanks so much for joining in with us man again check out their podcast dotting the eye with Chavis, uh chad and davis you'll get it right uh, we'll, we'll get it right at some point we'll get it just dotting the eye you look it, it up it's great it's, it's with davis and chad, davis and chad. <laughs> chris got it chris got it <laughs> it's a great show uh, love the banter they have check that out uh maybe one of us will be joining them soon enough on their side and uh it's great to have a sister podcast like you guys man i I enjoy it you guys are my favorite podcast uh to listen to i because i don't like listening to myself obviously so uh love your guys' show i i I would choose it over the big times just because the big name ones just because i love listening to fans and that's what i love about our podcast as too as well we are fans man we're not we're not paid to do this we do this because we're passionate about it and we love it and that you can hear that on when you listen to your show. So appreciate you joining us, man. Really appreciate that, Eric. And it's vice versa. I mean, you guys are definitely one of my favorite ones to listen to, and I make sure I don't ever miss an episode. Beautiful. All right, guys, as always, be kind to one another. I owe someone's OH in Carmen, Ohio with all your heart. And until next time, OH. I know. Go Bucks. Oh, come let's sing. Oh, Hios praise and songs through Amamaterain while our hearts rebounding thrill and joy which death alone can still. Summer's heat, oh, winter's cold. The seasons pass, the years will roll. Time and change will surely show. How firm thy friendship, Ohio. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? 
I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.